That song we sang a little earlier, my son did, 99 and a half won't do. My wife has sung that ever since we've been married. That was more or less a theme song. And nothing is more true than that. I heard an analogy just a little while ago from someone that said they, you go up to a drink machine that says dollar for the drink. You put in 99 cents, what do you get? You can stand there forever. And you'll get thirsty and die of thirst. So it is with salvation. If you don't put in 100%, you'll die of thirst. And a lot of people have. Maybe I'll introduce myself a little bit this morning. I see some faces here that I'm not familiar with, and I'm sure they're not familiar with me. I'm Brother Thomas Mustin from Chesapeake by way of Wilmington, North Carolina, by way of Montgomery, North Carolina, Alabama. And here I stand, this, and my sister Martha, Margaret, is standing on the stand, and I have a brother, Kendrick, and a sister, Johnny Francis. So you all kind of know who I am, maybe a little bit. I don't know that you'll get a whole lot out of what I say this morning. I pray that God will be the one that teaches and tells you and lifts you up. Brother Bobby mentioned a little bit about my uh, call of God. And I'll tell you just a little bit. I, I just Maybe it'll help someone. Uh, I was born in February of 19... 19- 32, I came to Christ's sanctified holy church in February, and I came to Christ's sanctified holy church in January of 1942, so that's a 10-year span. I left the church in 1952. I went into the service, and I was gone until July the 3rd, 1962. So there's 10-year increments there, 30 years that I guess I kind of wasted my life. I didn't know where I was going. I had no direction, as many people do whenever they don't serve God. But then July the 3rd, 1962, as I rode along a street called Chesapeake Boulevard there in Norfolk, Virginia, God called me. Uh, I can't know why he chose that time. I have no, I had been to a lunch with some people, left that and was headed to a party at the beach, which I had a lot of friends. We would all meet together on the, for July the 4th, and that was a big celebration. And my sanctification was July the 4th. 1962. The angel of the Lord, as Bob said, came and sat down in my vehicle and talked with me as plain as a mother talks to her son and called me. Have no doubt, have never doubted the call of God. Many people are called in many different ways, and when I read the experience of the Apostle Paul 
and that bright light that he saw and the call of God, I, all, I could relate to that because I knew what God had done for me. He called me. In no uncertain terms, he called me. And I believe he had a special work for me to do. And I've tried to live up to that. <clears throat> when we first came to the church in 42, there was no high steeple churches and pews and all. We sat in a little small church about half the size of this auditorium the whole church was and I had come from a church that had the steeple pews and had the large choirs and had all these things and 1938 I saw my mother and father baptized in the Baptist church I remember it very vividly I was just a young boy and then when my mother when my mother heard the sanctified people preach she came a little ahead of me she came in 41 to Norfolk Virginia and they a little tabernacle even smaller than the one where I came and she heard them preach the everlasting gospel and they read from the book of little John over there and began to talk about if you confess your sins he's faithful and just to forgive and she said, there's nothing like, told my dad sitting there on the pew, said, there's nothing like that in the Bible, said, it's not there. So they went home that night and began to search the scripture, and she found it. She said, this is what I've been looking for all my life. She had been a Sunday school teacher in the Methodist, and the I'm not knocking the denomination, but I'm telling you the experience. She had been a Sunday school teacher in the Methodist and the Baptist and several churches, and she had searched for God. She searched for God. And then when she found that it was a way out of sin, it made a difference in her life. We left, we left Montgomery, Alabama. We lived in a nice home, had a nice place to stay. We had all the comforts of life, and we went to Norfolk, Virginia. We moved into two rooms with no heat, no refrigeration, and a small light that you had to reach out into the room and turn the bulb on. Somebody, some of you might have lived through that experience. And then we had a path, and we had a pump on the back porch where we got our water supply. And when it froze, the pump would freeze up. I'd have to go out there and thaw it out in the morning for my mother. And we went, she went through a lot to keep her children with Christ's sanctified holy church. She gave her life for that. I just, maybe I can read you a few words that if you don't know God, not sure where you stand. Our church preaches repentance. That's the great thing that we preach where a man can repent of his sins. And it takes a repentance. I know it takes a repentance. I've been through that myself. The agony of repentance. Some would say, and I will read you a few verses over here in the book of Matthew in the third chapter. And of course, we know John the Baptist came out of the wilderness. 
And he wasn't too good-looking a fellow when he came out, you know. You read about him. said he had camel's hair and he ate locusts and wild honey, so he wasn't too good-looking. But you know what? He came out with the Spirit of God on him. That was what made him different from every prophet, from all the way back as far as you can go, all the way up to Malachi, none preached like John the Baptist. And Jesus said so. There's not a greater than John the Baptist born among women. And he was come out of the wilderness just preaching, and he preached repentance. Now, some people say he preached baptism, but if you'll read the scripture, he never preached baptism. He did baptize. Whenever a man repented, he baptized, signifying the washing away of his sins. But he did not say repentance, that you had to be baptized. But he just said, and I'll read the verse, and it says, he came out of the wilderness saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Now, we have had 400 years of darkness, and God had not appeared to mankind. But when John came out of the wilderness, and he said, For this is he that was spoken by the prophet Isaiah, saying the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord and make his path straight. That's what he preached. It's beginning to tell Israel, straighten up now. You've done done all these things. You've worshipped all these idols. You've gone and tried to conquer these nations. You couldn't conquer them because you didn't put your trust in God like he told you to when you came out of the land of of Egypt, you crossed the river Jordan, and the brother read last night, it didn't take them very long, they begin to sin, and begin to do things contrary, and then if you read a little farther on, you'll find out they worshiped idols, and they did all kind of things, and every once in a while, there'd be a king or a prophet come by, and they would take and turn maybe to the Lord for a little while, but when he died or passed away, they went right back into their idolatry, and served other gods. But here we come, one coming out of the out of the wilderness called John the Baptist, and the same John had his raiment of camel's hair and a leather girdle about his loins, and his meat was locusts and wild honey, and then went out of him Jerusalem and all Judea and all the regions round about, and they were baptized in Jordan, confessing their sins. Read that. That's what it says. Confessing their sins. And you will have to confess your sins if you're going to get in touch with God. And they were baptized of him confessing their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees come out to be baptized, he said unto them, O ye generation of vipers who has warned you to flee from the wrath to come. He never baptized these people He never because they never repented of their sins. He just went past right on by them. Bring therefore fruit, meat for repentance. So you've got to have a repentant heart if you're going to seek and find God. There is absolutely no other way to find God. Jesus said you must. You must be born again. And this is what Christ sanctified Holy Church preached when I came to it many years ago. And now it still preaches that a man must be born again. 
And now the axe is laid at the laid unto the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree which bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. And if you want to be burned in hell, just keep on going in your hellish ways, and you will end up in a sinner's hell, just as sure as I'm reading the word of God this morning. And we have instances where people find lifted the rich man lifted up his eyes in hell, being in torment. And you know where the rich man is today? He's still in hell. He's still in torment if he don't serve God. And you this morning, you've given you an opportunity to love and serve God. says, I indeed baptize you with water. Listen now to what it says. Now I indeed baptize you under water unto repentance, but he that cometh after me. What is he talking about? Listen to what he said. But he that cometh after me. Is my after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to unloose, to un, to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Isn't that something? What God can do? John tells it so plain, and people read right over it like it wasn't even written in the Scripture. They go right past that and go on living in sin and think they can get by. But you won't get by with God living in sin. Whose fan is in his hand and he will thoroughly purge his floor and gather his weed unto the garner. And he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Now, let's get, we're getting down to the real meat of it. You've got your sins forgiven. You've already repented of every all those evil deeds, the things that you have done against God. Then cometh Jesus. Isn't this, a, isn't this wonderful what God... I mean, the way He... so plain. And people take this scripture and they try to revise it and they try to make it in some other way. But I'm telling you, you cannot revise your way into heaven. You cannot... Revise your way into heaven. No way. I don't care who you are. You can be the greatest speaker and the greatest orientator that ever lived, and you can sway thousands of people, but if you don't have the Spirit of God in your life, you're going to a sinner's hell. Then comes Jesus from Galilee to, to Jordan and to John to be baptized of him. But John forbade him, saying, I indeed need to be baptized of thee. Why comest thou unto me? This was a very important part of the plan of God for Jesus to be baptized. He was ending the old law. He was not the beginning of baptism. He was the ending of baptism. And if you don't read that, what it says about this, and it says people say, well, Jesus was baptized in water. It's good enough for me. And I asked a young man, when he asked me that, I said, Jesus was crucified. You want to buy a cross? And he didn't want to listen to that. People don't want to listen. Jesus was crucified. So we are crucified. But let me get back to the scripture of what I'm reading here. And John forbade him saying, I indeed to be baptized of thee and thou comest down to me. And Jesus answering said unto him, suffer it to be so now. Listen. Listen to what it says. For thus it becometh to fulfill all righteousness. That's why he was baptized. 
showing you that this was the end of the law, the end of baptism, the end of the old way, that a new way was got to be issued in, and Jesus was going to issue this way. Then he suffered and he baptized. Jesus was baptized and went straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened, and unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove, and lighting upon him, and lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. And he's still saying it this morning. He's still pleased with Jesus this morning. That was the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That was no other, no other way you can do, look at it, no other way you can... But Jesus is the answer to the problems of life. If you have a problem in life, Jesus is the answer. If you don't know which direction you're taking, Jesus is the answer. I tell you what, he's been a, a light unto my life and he has helped me in all the ways of, of that I have tried. Jesus has been there and helped me. And I thank God for Jesus this morning. And Christ's sanctified holy church lifts him up above all the nations and all the things of the world. We lift up Jesus because it's Jesus, 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 the sweetest name I know. Skipping just a little bit over into the book of Ephesians. and Everyone knows this is such a well-read scripture. And this is how we today can look at God. This is how we today can escape. And you hath he quickened. I tell you, when you read this scripture in connection with the Spirit of God, it just brings newness of life to everyone that will listen. And you hath he quickened. This is talking about making you alive. People that were living in trespasses and in sin under the law were coming out from under the law. I know baptism was used right on through the book of Acts until Peter said, he said, then I, then I remember the words of the Lord. He said not to baptize, but he was to preach. And the apostle Paul said, I wasn't sent to baptize, but preach the gospel. And this morning we are not sent to do anything but baptize with the Holy Ghost. And we are here to preach the gospel and to tell you you must get out of, this, out of the sinning business. You hath he quickened. This is talking about me. This is talking about you. This is talking about those that have found God in their life. And you hath he quickened who were dead. You're talking about, and I would like to mention the resurrection the resurrection is not going to be of the graveyard that you ride by in the cemeteries. That even we got one on our campground. There'll be no resurrection there. It's just dead bones, if you want to say. And you have he quickened who were dead. You were living in sin. You were dead, just as dead as a man can be. When Adam sinned there in the garden and he was cast out, he was a dead man even though he walked around and had his beings. But he still was dead and then didn't have in touch with God. You hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and in sin. Do you see your life? Do you see the way you were going? And wherein in times past 
in times past. You walked according to the course of the world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now working in the children of disobedience. I'm telling you, you have got to get out of the sinning business. You've got to have renewed life. You've got to be raised from the dead and from the begly elements of sin in this life before you cross the portals and before you get into death's door. You have got to get out of the sinning business and find God in your life. You have got to have God resurrect you from the dead. And among whom we all had our conversation in times past in the lust of the flesh for, and fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. We walked the same way. I know I did. I walked in sin. I walked that for 30 years. I did what a sinner did, and I didn't have any control over my life. I thought I had direction. I thought I could do anything, but God showed me different. And without the Spirit of God in your life, you will be a dead man. For, but God, who is rich in mercy, for His great love, wherein He loved us even when we were dead in sin, Listen to what I'm telling you. You were dead in trespasses and in sin before you found God. It's just that way. For God who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherein he loved us, even when we were dead in sin, has quickened. What is the word quickened? Quickened means made alive. And today we are alive people. And we have the fields of the trees of shall clap their hands. And that's what we are talking about today. We are the trees of righteousness. And we clap our hands and we are, we are a noisy people. We are very unique in our worship. We don't carry the things that some people do. I'm not running anybody down how they worship if they find God. If you worship and don't find God, you're just as lost. I don't care how many churches you go to and how much money and how much time you give to the Word of God. If you don't have Him in your heart from the very beginning, you don't have Jesus. Even when we were dead in sins, has quickened us together with Christ, by grace are you saved, and has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Today we live in a Jerusalem. I just heard a man talking about he would be so glad when your new Jerusalem was built over there in the Far East. And I said, well, if you just look a little further, you'll find the new Jerusalem right wherever you walk, wherever you go, whatever you do in life. You can live in the new Jerusalem. The wall of fire about me. God has promised that on the day of Pentecost when he came there in the upper room and that fire came down. And it consumed all the sin of all those people that were there in that room. God blessed that nation that day. And they began to go out into the streets and begin to preach the word of God. I think God had people there from every nation, from every kindred. And why did he have them? Because it was a time that they gathered in Jerusalem. And it was time that they were going to offer all those sacrifices. It was time for the Passover It's what time it was. And they were there from every nation under sun. And they began to go out and they began to preach the word of God in every tongue. And every people began to hear. And on the first day of preaching, 3,000 souls were added to the church. Read the scripture. If you, think, if you have any qualms with me, take it up with God in the scripture. 
For by grace ye are saved. Through faith. It is not of God. It is not of yourself. But it is a gift of God. Not of works. I mean you can. I like to do things for the church. I mean we all do. You know, We're doing a work today here. By holding this feast meeting. And the ladies in there feeding uh, the congregation. And all the preparation it takes. For the do the works to bring past things that God needs to have done. But out of works. <clears throat> least any man should boast. And you know why it says that? Because if I did more work than you did, I could say, well, you, you're not going to make it because I did the most work. You know? It ain't, it, ain't, it ain't no way. No way. You can build all the churches you want to. And I was just involved in building the church. And I can forget about all that works that we did on the church if it don't have the Spirit of God and if we don't bring it there. We brought the Spirit of God here this morning. Before we came in, it was just a place. It wasn't anything uh, of significance, even though we use it for worship. And I enjoy it, but it's not of works. At least any man should boast. For we are his workmen. Created in Christ Jesus under good works, which he has before ordained that we should walk in them. <clears throat> Wherefore, remember that ye in times past Gentiles in the flesh. Now it's getting down talking to me and you, you know, Gentiles. That's what we are. We didn't come out of, we didn't come out of a Jewish heritage, but he is a Jew that is one inwardly. That's where we come in. And the circumcision is not of the flesh, but of the heart. Wherefore, remember that ye being in times past Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcised by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands. It was great contention among the Jewish people whether a man that wasn't circumcised could be a part of the kingdom of God. And they thrashed that out two or three times in the book of Acts, I believe. And they finally were conceived in the the agreement that they reached that a man could be sanctified without being circumcised of the flesh. Finally reached that agreement. And I think that agreement was reached for you and I today. Well, we, we, could, we could take and take some of those things in the law and we could begin to debate them and we could say, well, you don't take this, do this part of the law and you don't do that and I don't do this. And pretty soon we'd have a division. But Christ is not divided this morning. Christ is the one that we have to look to. We're saved by grace, as the sister said a while ago. And the only law we got to live today is to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind, and strength, and thy neighbor as thyself. And on to these hinge all the law and the prophets. So we've done away. We don't have to argue, be argumentative about the law anymore. But, you know, going back over there to uh, Acts when it says then Peter stood up and began to preach, he said he took those laws out of tables of stone. They were there. The law was there. The law was in the temple of God. The law was in the innermost part of God, written in tables of stone. But he took it out of that and he wrote it in your heart. No more say ye to the, do you love, no, 
the scripture amazed me. And now in Christ Jesus, you who are sometimes afar off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of petition. That curtain that hung between the holiest of all, hung between heaven and earth. It was rent in twain when Christ was hung on the cross. It was divided and no more could it be put back together. And the holiest of all was made accessible by all men. We don't have to go to a priest. We don't have to go to a congregation. You don't have to come to a preacher. You don't have to go anything. But every man shall know me from the least to the greatest. And you can walk right into the kingdom of God. And you can live in the new Jerusalem. And I'm so glad to live in that new Jerusalem. I don't want to live in that one over in the Middle East where all this squabbling and shooting and fighting and everything. But it says you'll beat, meet your plows in the pruning hooks. Swords in the plow. Plow hooks. You'll get rid of all those things that were contrary to the will of God. And, bring, and God will bring peace. He won't bring peace. We, we know peace is not, Jesus said there'd be wars and rumors of wars. I mean, he, he very clearly on that from now on till the world end. And, and Ecclesiastes said the earth abides forever. So I guess we'll just continue on. But there's a peace in my heart that the world never gave. A peace that cannot take away. Trials of life may surround like a flood. I have a peace that has come here to stay. But now in Christ Jesus, who, who sometimes were far off, are made nigh by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace, who has made both one and had broken down the middle wall of petition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enemy, even the law of commandments contained in ordinance to make of himself of twain one new man so making peace. Isn't it a peace in our heart no matter what the trials of life. If you quit reading the newspaper and you quit looking at the television and you quit going on the internet and finding out the news, you'd never know there was anything going on because you've got the peace in your heart of God. And I recommend that you do that. <clears throat> If you want to have true 100% peace, cut out the world and God will give you that peace. And I tell you what, I'm praying for a revival in our church. Not just here, but all throughout our church. I've been praying for it for years. And I think whenever we begin to lay aside the world and everything that is in the world. Come get out of the sporting goods business. Get out of the... Whatever we are doing, I don't care if you have to give up your job. I don't care what you have to do. If you lean on God, I think in times past, we've had revivals in our church. And it wasn't because of, of the things that we did, but was the things, the things that we didn't do, but the things that we did. And that was to enhance God in our life, in our church, and promote fellowship among the brethren. <clears throat> You'll have to forgive me this morning. I'm hope I don't take up too much time. When, when, uh, if you get through listening before I get through preaching, stand up. <laughs> 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 
And he came and preached peace to you which were afar off, and to them which were nigh. For through him both we have access by the one Spirit unto the Father. Now therefore you are no more strangers. We're not strangers anymore. Not to the Spirit of God we're not strangers anymore. And foreigners... We were once a Gentile race. We were once foreigners. We were as far away from God as you could get under the law. We were people that was not even counted on the scales of dust, you know. But we are strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and with the household of God and are built upon the foundation. What are we built upon? The foundation, listen, of the apostles. Read about those. Read that. What is it, 13th chapter of, of uh, Hebrews? Is that the one that's got all the, the 11th chapter of Hebrews, got all the faith in it? Read that chapter. We read it the other day. And I'll tell you what, if you had faith that some of those old men had, if you could look, they looked down the line of time and saw a Savior standing on the ha- rims of the earth, getting ready to come and take them home and call them out from under the altar. He saw that Savior, all those prophets. What did David say? I forever saw the Lord on my right hand. And I believe he did. And Abraham, when he took his son up there to offer him up for a sacrifice, thinking that he was even able to raise him from the dead, if I do sacrifice it. He had that much faith in God. All those prophets had faith in God. And built upon the foundation, the apostles and prophets and Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom we are all building fitly framed together, groweth unto a holy temple in the Lord in whom you also are built together for a habitation of God in the Spirit. And I'll tell you what, the Spirit of God is here this morning. If you don't know God, it's the opportunity here to love and to fall out with sin and to fall in love with God. I tell you, I've enjoyed this few minutes that God has given me with you. And I pray that God will take something that's been said through the Spirit and will lodge in your hearts and you'll think about it through the week. And if you don't know God, that you'll give God a chance in your life and you will repent and be baptized of the Holy Ghost like the day of Pentecost. And it can happen in your life. Y'all pray for me.